Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. severe pain. I had episodes where I was passing out on the floor. Um, We started to go to the doctor to see what was going on. They did tests. They said, we have several test results coming in. We need to talk to you about and you need to bring your husband. So they said tumor, cyst, cancer. I immediately got like a sinking feeling in my stomach. They said, we have to do surgery. We're gonna have to take everything out. Um, You will not have any more children and we need to start um, thinking about options for treatment. I mean, the word cancer is a word that no one wants to to go into a doctor's office and, and then they, you know, it's like, you have cancer, you know. I got to a point where I just said, you know what, God? I'm not going to try to fix it because I can't. You have to do it. And I said, I'm not going to try. I'm giving it to you. I'm just putting it in your hands. And I remember not having any words to pray. I didn't even know what to say. I didn't, I could, there was no words to say. And so I remember I stopped crying and I sat up and I started singing. And I started singing, um, that song, I Believe You're My Healer, Um, and I just kept singing over and over and over. I had three doctors on my case, and when they came in, um, they did an ultrasound, and he paused and he said, hold on one second. They turned on the lights, and I remember almost like just wondering what what are they fixing to tell us so he turned the screen hadn't heard enough yeah he turned the screen and he said I don't know how this happened or why this happened but you are pregnant and we saw the baby's heart beating so then shortly after that they said they had to go ahead and run some tests on me Um, we still needed to schedule surgery to have everything taken out And all three doctors were standing there, and I remember my primary one, he began to cry. And he said in every single test they took, there was nothing. There was not a cyst on on any ultrasound. Everything was perfect and normal. Every count was perfect. He says, "I I don't know how to explain this. We were expecting to just basically start from plan A and do this all over again with you. When we found out the miracle about Tiffany and how, how, you know, everything was just, it was gone. It was clear. I mean, they felt like they had taken the wrong test results and gave them to us. Like they were questioning themselves. And we were like, we're not questioning because we know. We know why this is over. We know why this is the end of cancer in my wife. And I told him, I was like, now you know my God. Now you know who my God is. And I just remember laughing and we were just, we were so excited. It was this big load that was taken off. 
and we started to enjoy um, every precious moment with him. Amen. Come on, church. We can do better than that. Come on. Thank you, God. God is awesome. He's awesome. Come on. Man, he does miracles. He's still doing miracles. He loves doing miracles. Amen. What a great story. We've heard some great stories to encourage all of us in our faith and just to trust God through everything, no matter what you see, feel, or hear. Amen. We are people of faith. We believe God in his word, and we walk that out every day of our lives. I want to encourage you, and my hope is the stories have encouraged you in your faith and in your journey to keep locked in to God, keep your focus on him, and stay in his word and let that build you up. And we just trust him for everything. Amen. I'm so thankful that God is still alive and well today and doing miracles, aren't you? <laughs> Amen. I do want to let you know as we're wrapping up our series today, in two weeks, we're kicking off a new series. Actually, we're kicking off on Mother's Day. So come on, moms, Mother's Day is coming up. Are you ready for that? Because you're going to be pampered and showered and everything, prophetically speaking, right there. So now your faith is activated, ladies, right? Moms, activate your faith for that miracle, all right? So Mother's Day is coming up. We're kicking off a new series starting Mother's Day called Building a Great Life. We're going to look at the Word and bring out some principles, how we can apply them to all kinds of areas of our life and just see uh, God at work again through His Word and, and what He's done for all of us and, and how He wants to us to experience all that he has in his word. So I want to encourage you guys. I know you're already making plans for showering moms with great things, but one of the best things you can do as a family is come to church, amen, and sit under the word and celebrate together and let God touch your hearts and lives. So we're looking forward to that. Building a great life, going to kick it off in two weeks on Mother's Day. Amen. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Psalm 77. Psalm 77. Kind of our foundational verse throughout the course of the series as we wrap up today, I just, I know you've probably, maybe you have it memorized by now, but let's look at it one more time. Here's what it says. You are, you still are, you're right now the God of miracles and wonders. Amen. <clears throat> you are, and you're not the God that used to be, you at one time were, uh, did at one point in time. You are the God of miracles. So we believe that. We need to take that to heart. And it goes on to say, you demonstrate, you've demonstrated, you're demonstrating, and you will always demonstrate your awesome power. And again, we've seen some great stories from people here sitting in the congregation serving with you. I love, uh, part of that story is that they were holding baby Carter, but they had three girls and they were believing God to have a fourth child and, and the hopes that it would be a boy. And then they got the report, but they pressed through and they got their miracle boy. Amen, baby Carter. So God cares about every area of your life. And that was such a wonderful story. But again, I want to encourage you this morning, especially the thing that strikes me the most is their stand on knowing who God is. That we don't go from miracle to miracle, event to event, meeting to meeting. They had to trust who God is every day of their life. And that is my hope in the course of this series. When we look at the miracle stories, we're not so much highlighting the miracle in and of itself, but we're looking at the principles that people had to stand and walk through in the midst of, in the midst of their struggle, their storm, their challenge, to be able to position themselves for that miracle to come. And I think that's so important because we as people and as society, we can be actually trained to go from miracle meeting to miracle meeting or you know, to do something like that, or we hear of this preacher over here, or we've heard of this prayer group over here, and I'm, those aren't bad things, but let's focus on the miracle worker, amen? Being active and alive in every area of our life every single day so we don't have to wait and go from meeting to meeting or crisis to crisis, that we can engage him every day. 
And so this story today is, is, is no different. In fact, I think it's one that will help us understand how to stay steady in the process. Because you know, sometimes miracles are instantaneous. And really, that's what we want. And we think of a miracle, we might even define it that way. And probably we would. Something that happens like instantly, in a moment. All of a sudden, I had someone lay hands on me, or I, I, I spoke the word here, or I believe this, or I declared this. And almost instantly, things changed. How many of you guys know that that's wonderful and amazing, but it doesn't always happen that way? So I want you to understand today, there's a miracle in the process as well. And really the process is probably how more miracles come and really is the harder one for us to stay focused in and on. And so this morning, our miracle story is gonna help us understand that. In fact, it is John 9. You can turn to John 9 for me. And in this miracle story, it's where Jesus heals the blind man. And he does it by putting mud on his eyes, which is funny and great all at the same time, and telling him to go wash it off. And so there's some great things we're gonna pull out of this. And so let's go ahead and start reading in John 9, starting with verse one. Here's what it says. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi or teacher, who sinned here, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Let's hold on there for a second. I love that because I'm like the disciples. I'm walking around, I'm a question asker, but some disciple threw out this crazy question, right? I mean, here's this blind man Jesus draws their attention to, and all of a sudden someone throws out this question kind of out of left field and says, hey, who's at fault for his blindness, his parents or him? I gotta say, that's probably Peter. I don't know, I'm just guessing there. He's just kind of that kind of guy that would just throw stuff out there like that. But I love that about him because we learn so much. But listen to Jesus' response here. He says this, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents have sinned. Now understand something, I think this is a great way to start the story because really in our human nature, our desire is, our tendency is that when we're faced with a storm or a challenge, the first thing we wanna know is why or how come. I mean, why me? I mean, why not that mean evil guy down the street or something like that? Why, why is this happening in my life? I and mean, what did I do? Or what, did, what decision did I make? Or how come this came to me? Or, and we can, we can get so caught up in the whys it really can consume us. And I think one of the things here that Jesus brings our focus and attention to, and I think he's saying at this point in time, it really doesn't matter why. Let's focus on the need, not the why. Because what can happen in the midst of the why, if you will, or the how or the what, we wanna find fault instead of find our faith. And so we can be so distracted, if you will, with the why or the how come, that if we find ourselves staying in that place constantly, we fall into that, we fall in that place, maybe that victim mindset or mentality. Why me, why me? And if we stay there, we don't find any faith in that place. And, and I think there is a, something to be said that people, people are victims of other things in life, and I don't, I don't belittle that at all, but even at that, you can't live in that place. I mean, the Bible says we get knocked down, but we don't get knocked out. Amen, we get back up. Uh, the, the Bible says that, that there may be a point in time where I feel like a victim, but God says I'm a victor in Jesus' name, amen, that I'm victorious. And so we gotta understand that the longer we stay in this place, like that question that came out of left field, that they say why or how come, we can spend more time finding fault than we can finding faith. And the enemy will distract us in that way. So we gotta be careful of that and be mindful of that. And so uh, in, in verse three, again, it says this, that uh, Jesus is basically saying that it really doesn't matter. Now, now, hold on for a second. I do believe 
that after we pick ourselves back up and we get focused on our faith and start moving this process forward, I do believe it is important and wise to look and see what is it in our life that may be something that we've done so we don't do the same thing over again, right? Maybe we don't abuse our bodies or relationships or, whatever, or perpetual sin or whatever that might be, okay? Understand me in that. But our first response needs to be, okay, we take the initial impact was what you heard in that story and then we pick ourselves back up and I love what they said. All I knew to do, I, I couldn't think of anything but I just started singing unto the Lord, right? But the point is that I I did something to pick, pick myself back up to find my faith and so that we're not laying down in that place of being more focused on fault than faith. So then he goes on to say this in verse three, then he says this, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. That's very important that I explain this here because it's misinterpreted so many times. When it says, but that the works of God should be revealed in him, it does sound like, and it's taught a lot, that God set this up so that he all of a sudden could come on the scene and get greater glory. Can I say this, that God doesn't do that and he doesn't need to set us up with sickness and disease to get greater glory, he doesn't need to do that. He doesn't do that in fact. When you look at the character and nature of God, and that's my hope in this series, you see more than anything else, the character and nature of God. He's a good God, he's a faithful God. He's a God that heals, he does signs, wonders and miracles. He's the God of the impossible, amen? And so I want you to understand that, but what this does mean, I believe, is he's getting our focus off of the, the, the fact that there's an issue or struggle there and onto the one who wants to meet that. And what I mean by this is um, when it says this, but that there, the works of God should be revealed, I believe God has a miracle for every situation, every story, every storm, every need. I believe what this scripture literally says that anytime there's a challenge in life, anytime there's a need in life, that God has an answer. God has an answer. Uh, again, uh, let me just explain this a little further. Again, when I think of um, the character and nature of God, when I see so clearly in the word that he doesn't put those things on us, I think of just Jesus going to the cross. I mean, because my Bible says that Jesus went to the cross to defeat every sickness, every disease. His body was bruised and broken, and by his stripes we were healed. So everything that you might face in life has already been defeated by Jesus on the cross. So it wouldn't even make sense to me for God to put something on us that had already been defeated by Jesus. I mean, I just can't even see the logic in that. But no, what he says here is like, I believe what Jesus is saying and reminding us is that there is a, there's a miracle for everybody. Everybody, there's a miracle that he has. And, and it's important for us to understand that because um, I, I would say it this way, that if you need healing in your body, God has a miracle for that, right? If you, can, I, can we put that scripture back up there, guys? If, if you need a, a healing in your body, then that's an opportunity for the works of God to be revealed. Or let me say it this way. If you need healing in your body, the works of God should be revealed in you. If you're struggling in your marriage, can I say it this way? The works of God should be revealed in your marriage. If you have a teenager that has gotten off path and maybe is addicted to drugs and you're standing and believing, can I say it this way? That the works of God should be revealed in his life. If you need a financial miracle and you've lost your job and trying to make ends meet, can I say that the works of the, of the Lord should be revealed in your finances? And this is how I see this scripture, that whatever you face in life, it's an opportunity for the works of God to be revealed or the works of God should be revealed in your life. I, I think that we have to be very careful because we can look at God different than what he really is. We can believe something about God that's not true and understand God has a miracle for everything that you face. Uh, can, let me say it this way. You haven't found the one thing God doesn't do. You haven't. You're not the one person God doesn't care for. And you haven't run out of your allotment of miracles. 
Because every time you have a need, challenge, or storm, he has an answer, amen? And so the works of God can be revealed in everything you do. If you were to come up and talk to me about your need, and it happens all the time, and people ask, what do you think, pastor, what do you think? And this is how I see the scripture. What do you think, Jesus? What about this blind guy? What's going on? Oh, I, I would say it this way. Someone might come up and say, what do you think about my marriage? I hear that all the time. My first response should never be this. Well, is he a jerk? <laughs> is she a nag? <laughs> My first response was someone to come up to me and say, what do you think about my marriage should be this. I think that the works of God should be revealed in your marriage. Amen? What about my teenager? My first response shouldn't be, well, is he on drugs? Are they sleeping around? Do they steal? My first response to what do you think about my teenager should be, I think that the works of God should be revealed in your kids. What do you think about the report I received from the doctor? It's cancer. My first response shouldn't be, did you smoke? Do you drink? Do you do drugs? Is there a family history of that? My first response should be, I think that the works of God should be revealed in your body, in Jesus' name. That should always be our first thought. That should always be our first thought. Why? Because God's a good God. So when I see that passage of scripture, he's not saying, neither this man nor his parents, but listen, that's not the issue. The works of God should be revealed in this situation. That's God's heart. That's God's intent. That's what he wants. That's what he wants to happen. Now listen, that's what he wants and it should be, but it doesn't always happen that way, does it? And so we struggle with that and that's why then people will say that he does it to teach us something or, or to show us something. And can I say again, he doesn't need to add to the hurt and tragedies of this world. Well, there's not enough. I need to add another thing here. Just look around. Take your pick. Take your pick, God. They're already there. And so what I believe he is saying to you and I is that whatever you're facing, he has an, he has an answer for you that should be revealed in your life. But it's not always. In fact, I'm going to share a story. Many of you have already heard the story if you've been here for any length of time. But I think it's important for us to hear again or hear for the first time. Uh, this year, Tree of Life will be celebrating 35 years. Amen. 35 years of being a Tree of Life to a lost and hurting world. Amen. That's awesome. That's a miracle right there. <laughs> For those who may not know, my dad founded the church August of 81 with some wonderful people. And so um, after our 15th year anniversary, um, we had a camp meeting. We had meetings every day, every night. And we had guest speakers that would come through. And in particular, on a Wednesday night, my dad was speaking this night. My mom was a praise and worship leader. And so there was a really strong move of the spirit. So my dad just really felt impressed to call people up that needed healing in their body. So about 20 people come to stand before him up front. He came down off the platform. He started laying hands on the sick. And we started seeing people get... Uh, healed. In fact, last week, I don't know if he's here at this service, but last week, one of those guys was there. He had a, a, a real uh, pain in his leg. He could barely walk, and, and my dad laid hands on him, and the power of God was there, and instantly healed him. He just walked out without any pain in his legs. But after he finished laying hands on people, then he started feeling just different, so he went to the associate pastor and said, you need to get me to the hospital. Something's not right here. By the time they got to the hospital, he was already unconscious. They wheeled him into the emergency room and started to work on him. When we came, uh, a few minutes after he was already there, and they were working on him, and they, we weren't able to go back, which I understand. By the time we got back to the back and they allowed the family in, we knew he was gone. They just, his body was there, his earth suit, as he would say, but he was already in the presence of the Lord, having a grand old time. Can I add that? You know, <laughs> I can say that. And so, but for us, it was this place of shock, and we were just, we didn't understand, because we'd been praying, the moment we realized that he had left, we'd been praying and believing God, he just laid hands on 20 people, we saw the power of God move. I slipped back into the room, my family was all in the hallway, I slipped back into the room, and I walked over to him, and I just said, okay, God, now your word is true, I believe your word, 
And I reminded God of the word like where Lazarus that was dead, his friend, and, and you just called forth, Lazarus, come forth, come out. I remember when you raised Jairus' daughter and, and she was gone and, and you came in and, and raised her up. I remember the, the, the woman, the widow woman whose son that you, you raised up. I remember, and, and Lord, in Jesus' name, I believe that you raised the dead and, and I tried to clear all doubt. Out of my, have you ever been there trying to clear all doubt of your mind? You try and generate some faith in the moment and I was speaking to that. I even went so far as to grab his hand and try and pull him up off the table and say in Jesus' name and nothing happened, nothing happened. And I'm just like there, like, okay, God, you do miracles. I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it so many times. And here's my dad, he's a good man, he's a pastor. He's done so many great things for the kingdom. He's got so many great things he could do. You, you know how you reason and negotiate with God, right? And so I was there and it just didn't happen. The next few days were kind of a, a troubling day, I'll be honest with you. I had the emotions that we all feel when we don't see the result that we're believing and praying for. It's like anger, frustration, hurt. And I remember not long after all that, going to my mom and my mom just saying, mom, how are you doing? And she said this, her greatest fear is believing something about God that wasn't true. That no matter what, even though it didn't turn out the way that we want or hope, we still believe that God's a good God. We still believe God is a faithful God. We still believe God's a God that heals. We still believe God is a God that does miracles. So our our struggle was more in in that moment seeing locked into the fact that God is who he says he is and he does the things we say he will do. We're not gonna question why or what, but we're gonna focus on we know he's still a miracle working God. That will never, ever change. And so can I tell you from that point forward to this, now you fast forward 20 years, and the 20 years span that I've never questioned God's ability to heal people I've never questioned God's ability to do miracles. I lay hands on people and I don't replay that in my mind thinking, well, what if this doesn't? I just think, God, this is a situation that a miracle should be revealed in their life. Every time, I leave the outcome up to God. But can I say, over the course of 20 years, thousands of people have received their healing. Thousands of marriages have been restored. Thousands of families have been restored. Thousands of people have been blessed financially by the power and work of God. Because every situation in life is where the, the, the works of God should be revealed. I'll leave the who, what, where, when, and how up to God because his ways are higher than my ways but every time I'm going to believe for a miracle because it should be revealed in every situation in life. Amen? Every time. 20 years later people getting saved every week. Come on. Is God a faithful God? Yes, he is a faithful God. He is a good God. And if my dad would have, we could have prayed him back off that table, he would not have been happy. Can I just say that? What are you doing? I was in heaven. What are you doing? Bring me back to this place. Amen. God's a faithful God. That's what I know. So for those of you, yes, a miracle should be revealed. But you know what? We're going to believe God for that every single time, no matter what. We'll leave everything else up to him. But we need to learn more about the character and nature of God. We need to believe the works of God should be revealed and leave the results up to him. My heart, my hope in this series is we understand and see that a bit better. Now, out of this crazy question, um, you know, that was thrown out there, I I think we see that God has a miracle for everyone. I believe that's what Jesus was telling us. God has an answer for everything in life. Now, in verse three again, if you could put that back up, verse three, what we see here, Jesus is really answering the question the disciples had, and what they're seeing is something different than Jesus, obviously. So the disciples are seeing an obstacle where Jesus sees the opportunity. How do you see your challenge? Let me give you three principles that we learned in the story. Number one, we need to see past our obstacle illusions. We need to see past our obstacle illusions. Because sometimes we honestly, we just get so focused on the obstacle, we can't see the provision. We can't find God in the midst of it. But notice I said the obstacle illusions and not optical illusions. Because if you keep your focus on obstacles, you miss what God can and will do. Let me give you an example of this. Here's an optical illusion. 
It's a train track, we all know this. It looks like it meets at the top of the page there. It looks like it's kind of a big A, but we all know it does not meet, don't we? Now, it looks like with our eye, there's an end. I'm looking at that, and it looks with my natural eye that there's an end to this. There is an end. There's an obstacle there, an ending there. But understand, we know, because we know railroad tracks, that they run parallel, and they will never meet. So think about that in your situation. In our natural eye, our situation may look like an obstacle, but we have to see through and see the character and nature of God because if we understand the character and nature of God, we know that no obstacle is an end, amen? It is an obstacle illusion. It is not the truth. The truth is God is a good God and God is a faithful God and he's for you and he's not against you. And and that the, the works of God should be revealed in every area of your life. We need to see through the obstacle illusion and know that there is no end. And sometimes we get so focused on that we miss where God is and what he's doing. And all you may do is see the obstacle, the dead end. That's why you have to know God and see through the eye of faith. In the natural, it looks like there's no way it can go on. But in God's eyes, he has the last word. And we need to see, let me say it this way, we need to see through the illusion of hopelessness. We need to see through the illusion of hopelessness and see their hope, the hope that is in him, amen? We need to see through the illusion that God doesn't care because God does care. In fact, he cares so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to take your stripes and burdens on his life, amen? We need to see through the illusion that there's no way out of your situation. There is always a way out because God makes a way where there seems to be no way. We need to see through the obstacle, this is how it will always be, and see through to the God that says, I have the last word. I can change it in a moment. We need to see through the, the illusion that it just doesn't matter anymore to see the, the power of God saying that everything matters to me, everything in every situation and see through the opportunity that God has for his works to be revealed in your life. See the eye of faith. Isaiah 45, two through three says this. I will go before you and level the mountains. I'll break down the gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I'll give you hidden treasures, rich, riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel. Amen. We need to see through the mountains, see through the bars of irons, see through the darkness, see through the secret places and find the God that loves us and cares about us. Amen. He is a faithful God. He says this, I'll break down, I'll, I will break all your shackles off you. I will tear down all your strongholds and I will lift all your burdens because he is our God. Amen. So see through your obstacle illusion and see the God of the impossible. Back to our story, John 9, 4 through 5 says this. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And what Jesus is saying here, as long as his people are here, it's always the time for miracles. Jesus is saying, I need to do miracles while I'm here, but we know from reading scripture and, we, and from knowing the word even back to last week that we know he went to the Father and that now he's in us through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. So we are his hands and feet, we're his representation. So Jesus is still here. So let me say it this way, as long as you're here, it's the time for miracles. As long as you're alive and breathing, it's the time for miracles. One day night will come, or what that speaks to is when we are in heaven, no longer on the earth. But guess what, in heaven, you don't need a miracle. So there's no need for miracles in heaven, but while you're here on the earth, there are need for miracles, and he's got them. And he will do them and work them while we're here. We need to trust him. Trust him, but he is working and moving. It is now the time, the season, the day, the age for miracles to work in our life. 
John 9, 6. Let's go back and read 6. When he said these things, uh, go on to 6. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. I really like this story because it's a bit unusual. I, I like that he just did something different, and I like that about God because God likes to do things different just when you think you got them figured out. He'll do it. Because here's the problem, if he does the same thing the same way all the time, we're gonna build a doctrine on that, not on him. We're gonna look more to the formula of the miracle than the miracle worker. And he wants us to make sure that we keep our eyes on him because he can work any way, shape, form, time that he wants. In fact, he loves to do it to confound you or to us to do it to something that people say, wow, I didn't see it that way. But understand if people, if it was the same way all the time, well, let me say it this way. I bet when people saw a miracle coming after Jesus put mud on that guy's eyes, I bet there was a whole movement of that. You know, yeah, I, bet, I bet there are people like, you know, getting buckets of, of dirt carrying it around with them and water, right? It's like, who's next? All right, we got healing over here. And the doctor puts a sign out front, you know, mud for whatever ails you or whatever. It's like raising the dead, the dead guy, hey, don't bury him yet, just smear mud all over him or something like that. That's why we gotta focus on the miracle worker. But I understand that this is kind of a weird kind of thing because here's what I think about the guy. I think that I, obviously I've, I've never been blind, but I've been in moments and then that's not even equal to that, but where you, know, you close your eyes, you're blindfolded in the middle of the night. And can I tell you, that's a very uncomfortable feeling. And I think that this man was already uncomfortable with, with his challenge, with his storm, with his need. Already uncomfortable to navigate through life, being blind and dependent on other people. Whatever that must have meant, like, man, I, I believe he was already uncomfortable in that. And all of a sudden, Jesus came and makes things more uncomfortable. I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna make it better. I don't feel any better. Can I tell you with mud on my, I don't really feel any better right now, Jesus. I mean, is there another way? Or even when he's making the mud, can I tell you, and I'm not an expert on saliva, I don't know how much saliva it takes to make mud. I think it's a little bit more than a little. I'm just telling you. I don't, did he have a drink of water or something? I don't know. So that whole setup had to be really uncomfortable. Here's what I want you to understand. You need to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. When it comes to the things of God, you need to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's not always the way we think. It's not always the way we want. It's not always the way we expect. It's not always how anybody else got their miracle. That's not how somebody else did theirs or received theirs. He likes to change things up. So we need to be uncomfortable. I mean, we need to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And because we need to remember it's about the character and nature of God. Sometimes miracles are instant and sometimes they come through a process. We need to know his works should be revealed in our challenge. We need to know that today is a day of miracles and however it comes, I'm okay, God. I need to be able to be comfortable with what's uncomfortable. If it's instant, praise God. If it's not, then I need to keep walking it out no matter how uncomfortable it gets. I need to push through the obstacle illusions and keep my eyes on Jesus. And can I tell you that this? The process is uncomfortable, which is why we want the instantaneous. But the process is uncomfortable and so if we don't ever become comfortable with what's uncomfortable, we will miss our miracle. Because most of our miracles come through a process and not the instantaneous. And so he was, he was already uncomfortable with his blindness and then now someone's rubbing mud in his eyes and, and, he, and he's told to do some other things. We'll get there in a second. But the process can be uncomfortable because it's not what we think or hope it should be on our time frame. So many times we give up. Really, mud in his eyes? I mean, we would all question that. One blind guy they laid hands on, Jesus laid hands on. Another guy, he just spoke to him. But for whatever reason, that he decided to do it this way. You need to be okay with that. It may come a completely different way, but be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Stay focused. Let me read verse seven for you. 
And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Go wash in the pool. He went and did that, came back seeing. Number three, let me give you this last principle here. Be obedient to what God has said. And I can't can't emphasize this point enough. Be obedient to what God has said. And actually this kind of goes on with the last one. Be okay to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Just obey. And chances are, things are going to get more uncomfortable before they get better. Let's just be honest. I mean, the guy's blind, struggling with his blindness already. Now he's got mud shoved in his eyes. And now he's told to go bathe in this pool. Now, I don't know how far the pool was from where he was, but I know this about the pool. The pool was crystal clear. It was described to be crystal clear. In fact, it was so pure that the priests would bathe in there. A ceremonial bathing would happen there. And people would come from all over to bathe in there because they thought because the water was so pure, it had healing properties. So the pool of Siloam was crowded all the time. So here's this guy that, that's probably uncomfortable with his blindness. And then there's mud rubbed in his eyes. And then he told to go to the busiest place in town, push through the crowd, the mobs of people that are standing there trying to get water or bathe or are thinking there's going to be healing come from the water, push through all that, push your way in, don't stop when people ask you, what do you think you're doing? Hey, watch where you're going. Hey, what you got? You got mud on your, do you realize how silly you look? Seriously, someone, got, someone told you if you put mud in your eyes, you'll be healed? I got a bridge to sell you, you know, or whatever that is. This whole thing of craziness, he had to push, it got more uncomfortable as he went. Can you imagine every step when he's starting to hear the crowd had to be more uncomfortable than last, but you know what? His obedience, his obedience helped him get his miracle. You need to be obedient no matter what happens. The reality is many times, if not most of the time, when we're waiting for our miracle, we come to a critical place and that critical place is called obedience. He came to a critical place and he needs to obey. And let me say it this way, obedience is huge. Two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus turning water to wine and Jesus looked at the servants and said, so go get the water jugs and fill the water jugs up. And they did and the miracle happened. Last week, we talked about Peter walking on the water where Jesus said, come and get out of the boat. And Peter did and his obedience, a miracle happened. Can I tell you that more times than not, our obedience is gonna come, I mean, our miracle is gonna come through our obedience. Now, I tell you what, that's good news and bad news. The bad news is we don't like the process and we don't always wanna be obedient because we have our own ideas. The good news is we can all obey the word. We can all obey the word. We need to be obedient. But here's where we stand sometimes. I don't want to go do that. No, I just want my miracle. Can't I just have my miracle? And so we say, hey, God, I just want my miracle. I don't want to have to go through all these people. I don't want to have to go down the street and go to there. I don't have to do all that. Everybody's going to see me. Can I just have my miracle? And God says, hey, Don, can I just have your obedience? Because the reality is if I can just get your obedience, Don, you won't need so many miracles. (laughs) Thank God for the miracle. But listen, if he can get our obedience, we won't need so many of the miracles. Because obedience brings a blessing. In fact, the Bible says that when we're obedient, the blessings overtake us. Deuteronomy 28, I don't want to read this for you. You can write this down. I'm just going to get it started and you can finish it out another time or at home. 28, 1 through 13, it says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. You don't have to overtake them, they will overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Let me just get it started for you. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. 
Blessed shall be your coming and blessed shall be your, your going. Blessed shall be the herds of your, of your flock, <laughs> the herds of your barn, the, the crops of your flock. You know what I'm trying to say, the field. <laughs> you're coming, you're going. You should be the head and not the tail. You should be above and not beneath. You should be the top and not the bottom. Why? Because the miracle came into my life? No, because you're obedient to the word of God. I love that. I'm gonna be obedient to the word of God. Let's go back to verse six. It says this. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He anointed the eyes. Anointing's an eye, uh, an anointing is a word that we love in the church. We want the anointing. We need the anointing. Nothing happens without the anointing. The anointing is the power of God for favor, the power of God to do things. We want your anointing in our service, Father God. Do you feel the anointing? The anointing is here to move and do things. It's literally here in this translation, it really, the anointing means applied or covered. They covered his eyes. They applied mud over his eyes. But what I want you to understand here, keeping in mind the, the word anointing, here's what I see in this. When they covered his eyes, anointed his eyes of the blind man with clay, he didn't all of a sudden start seeing. He didn't. Because if that was the case, he didn't have to go all the way down to the pool and wash all the mud out. And here's what I believe. So many times we're looking for the anointing to do an instantaneous miracle. We want to go because, oh, that guy's anointed. Let me have hands on, that elder's anointed. Let me have hands laid on me by them. And I believe that those things are, I believe there's gifts and all that kind of stuff, the anointing. I believe all that. You hear me in this. But what this shows me is that when they were anointed, that the, when the eyes were anointed with mud and then the man had to walk to the pool, here's what we need to understand. And oh, I want you to get this that the anointing is just as strong on the process as it is on the instantaneous. And just because you have to walk out a process for your miracle does not mean it's not anointed. So don't give up and don't quit because your obedience releases the anointing of God in your life. So we want to run from meeting in a meeting and miracle to miracle and have this special service in this or the anointing. And I believe in all that. Don't get me wrong. But I thank God for the anointing in my life to operate the word every single day. That I can get my Bible out and I can put the word of God in every situation of my life. Every morning when I get up, I can walk out the word. Every night when I lay down, I can thank God for the word. And it means that there's an anointing in my life because the word is anointed and it's God's life. It's God's power. And it has the power to heal and change and work our lives and situations. Listen, let's quit looking for an outpouring of some anointing and let's find the anointing in obedience to the word of God in our everyday life. The anointing. There is an anointing on the process if you're obedient to the word of God. Man, I hope that brings some freedom to you. You don't have to wait for the next series on miracles or you don't have to wait for the next healing night. You don't have to wait. Just be obedient right now to the word of God. Receive that in your life. Be careful when we just associate the anointing to an event. It's in the word when we operate in it. It operates in our life. Let me just give you an easy example. I need the anointing. I hear this. I need the anointing for a breakthrough in my finances. Do you realize being obedient to bringing the tithe into the storehouse is anointed? Let me tell you why I know that to be true. Why there's an anointing there is because when you bring the tithe into the storehouse, there's such an anointing that it opens the window of heaven and pours forth a blessing you cannot contain. Let me tell you how I know it's anointed because when you bring the tithe in the storehouse, he rebukes the devourer for your sake. You don't need a, a miracle of rebuking the devourer for your sake. You be a, obedient and the anointing is there to rebuke the devourer for your sake. 
I know it's anointed to bring the tithe to the storehouse because it says then no fruit shall fall from your vine before it's time. There's an anointing release when you're obedient to bring the tithe to the storehouse that says my stuff will last far beyond anything ever hoped or expected. I won't have to replace it. It's going to last way beyond anybody else's. I'm just saying that's the word. And there's an anointing there when you operate the word of God. Let me say this. Obedience to the word of God produces the miracle works of God. Obedience to the word of God produces the miracle works of God. We need our blind eyes open to the miracle working power of being obedient to the word of God. Let me ask you this in closing. What is it God has been asking you to do? What is it that his word, in his word, what is it in his word that you aren't doing? That maybe it makes you uncomfortable. What has, what has he been asking you or showing you to do in his word that has seemed to be inconvenient? What has made you uncomfortable or even unwilling, and maybe it hasn't made sense to you or to others, or others even think it's crazy, but yet it's in his word. You need to push through your obstacle illusion. You need to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, and you need to be obedient to what he's saying or has said, even if it doesn't make sense. Sometimes their miracles are instantaneous, but sometimes they're a process, but even the process can be anointed. Just obey. Amen. God is a good and faithful God and he loves you so much that he created a way for you every day of your life to receive what you need and it's called his word. And when you walk this out, then the miraculous is present in your life. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.